Mobile is the future. Use it to power up your profits. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Our show focuses on the latest news and information impacting mobile marketers, publishers, and technologists. We speak with the power players of mobile monetization. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Please welcome our host, Wen Tu. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This is your host, Wen Tu, and each week we discuss a key aspect of the mobile industry with the mobile thought leader. People are turning to news aggregator apps for a curated and personalized experience, but publishers are concerned about losing front page readers and control of their ad placement as third-party providers take over this distribution role. Today, we have Khan Devnani from Comtext News Network to tell us how aggregator apps are changing the way news is discovered, consumed, and packaged. Khan Devnani is the CEO of Comtext News Network, a real-time news aggregator network. Prior to Comtext, text. Uh, he was the Associate Director of Marketing and Engineering at FactSet. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Wen. I'm Great. happy to be here and thanks for having me. So good to have you. So, Khan, with mobile growing so fast, publishers are feeling the need to present wherever their audience is or potential audience are consuming content, which is rapidly changing the way publishers have to really think about how they distribute their content. So, Khan, what are the main reasons behind publishers choosing to read content and people reading content through aggregator apps? I think it's actually a very interesting question. There's a lot of issues that a publisher really needs to contend with in terms of making a decision on how to publish and disseminate all their content. I think what it really comes down to in terms of the use of the aggregation apps is really a distribution and a marketing play. It's a very easy way to get access to a much broader audience that their own native tools, apps, and distribution platforms might not be able to give them. I think that there's a couple of key advantages that these aggregation apps offer. One thing that we've noticed in terms of our own distribution for our smart trend news is we actually saw an increase in the organic search of our search terms via Google AdWords. So the behavior that we saw was people were able to discover and find our content through the aggregator app, come back to Google, enter in keywords, and end up ultimately coming to our website anyway. Now, that's not something that always happens because there are certain restrictions that could be placed within the aggregator. For example, not every aggregator allows link backs or embedded links to actually function properly. So it can be a bit of a pro and con type of a situation. I think that the other advantages that an aggregator offers is really just the ability to have a uniform presentation of the content. For example, if you aggregate and submit news to, say, Apple News or to Google Play Newsstand, the way in which your information is presented and formatted is extremely uniform and it's extremely clean. You also get access to their automatic tagging and the way that they want to categorize what your news is. So you can kind of get the advantage of being able to piggyback off of their curation engine, their tagging, how they categorize you, and how they assign your content as a publisher to the interests of the user base in a manner that might be a little bit more effective than what a publisher's own tools might really be able to do. So I think that those are all you know, interesting advantages that publishers think about 
even though they do lose a little bit of overall control, which I guess we can get to uh, as a part of the follow-up questions. Yep. So definitely it sounds like a bigger reach. I think news aggregators may be much more advanced and skilled when it comes to search engine optimization. And there's always strength in numbers so that people would want to go to an aggregator because there's varied content. But what are some of the reservations publishers have about their content being available in aggregator apps? Why are some publishers skeptical of using aggregator apps? I think there are a few primary reasons. The one reason might sound extremely obvious, but you know, it's really, is your content or is the publisher's content really intended to be offered to a free audience open on the web or open through an aggregation app? And, you know, oftentimes this, this content that's really intended to be behind a paywall might accidentally make its way out, you know, on the internet, indexed by Google, you know, or made available through an aggregator app, you know, if a, you know, if a checker balance isn't really working properly. So I think that that's probably one of the primary reservations that people have. The other issue that people might have is, while aggregators like Apple and Google do a really, really nice job of presenting the content and formatting it, you do lose a bit of control over how your content is displayed. Mm-hmm. For example, if you have tables that need to be presented you know, in a certain way, if you have content that you wanted to have flow or be formatted in a, uh, in a certain way, it might not look exactly the way that you wanted it to be presented. And then the other big thing is that just a loss of, of control over the content. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the publishers will include things like a tracking beacon in the content where it's a piece of code that's embedded in the article that a regular web browser is going to execute that then offers the publisher a really nice real-time view of who's viewing the content and then some basic information about the browser which it's being used. If the aggregator is blocking information like that or these tracking beacons or pixels as we call them, then all that distribution and viewership information is, is completely lost. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of things that you need to consider and balance when making your content available through an aggregator app like that. So right now, it seems like publishers have a lot of different choices on who they decide to partner with when it comes to news aggregation. You mentioned Google and Apple, but what are the key differences of the top news aggregator apps out there? Well, I think that one of the main issues is just how popular and how well-known they are, what platforms they actually run on. And, you know, again, really, if they do a good job in terms of curating and being able to categorize the content that you want to take a look at. For example, you know, when you first launch Apple News, you don't really even need to think about how you're going to use the app because it does a very nice job of offering you different choices and different tiles of areas of interest that you have And as you tap on more tiles, so say you go into finance and then individual stocks and Mm -hmm. then U.S. equities and then large cap or mid cap or small cap or, you know, ETFs, whatever it may be, the entire sign-on process kind of guides you through what your interest tree really looks like. And not every application does that. Mm -hmm. You know, in many cases, it's just a matter of, well, I'm just going to configure the different channels or feeds that I'm interested in and whatever happens to show up shows up and it doesn't really learn over time. So not all the apps are really doing a job of learning how your tastes are evolving over time based on what you initially indicated, but also based on what you're actually reading. So there really can be very, very stark differences in what the experience is overall. 
Yep. And what about definitely the user experience and the curation skill and ability of aggregator apps differentiate themselves with one another. But what about the monetization or the business model? Are there any key differences that you've seen in the market? Well, I think that the overall use of an aggregation app is in itself introducing a key difference in how publishers are able to monetize content. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for a long time, people were very reliant upon revenue from advertisement, just even a banner ad or a display ad and being able to just derive impression-based revenue, much less click-based revenue. Mm -hmm. When you go to an aggregator app, that can often become lost. So I think what you have to do is really start to focus on the intrinsic value of the content. If the aggregator allows you to put link backs into your content to then bring you back to your own native website or other venue to try to facilitate some kind of an, you know, either an, an, an e-commerce transaction or an email capture transaction, basically just some way to get some incremental value out of just having the content being read. So yeah. I think it really just kind of forces the issue for the publishers to make the content compelling and to really streamline the process of getting to a transaction or what we call a conversion. Mm-hmm. For example, in our, you know, in our own tracking statistics, we used to look at conversion tracking as just the amount of people who would come into our website via an article that we had published, take a look at the article, and then try to sign up for a trial of a service. And each sign up that we got was something that we marked as a conversion. We've since evolved our view of what a conversion is to include things like, did they sign up for a different service or even just give us an email address that we can use in the future. So even just a lead capture now is something that we're looking at as a conversion. Did they download a white paper or you know additional resource on the website? And I guess ultimately, did they even make it back to our website? So from a monetization viewpoint, I think it definitely makes it challenging, but the ultimate goal is really, can you get people from the aggregator app to your native website or to your product? So interesting. We've been learning so much about news aggregator apps with Khan Devnani, CEO at Comtech's News Network. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly with more mobile power and profit right after this break. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. 
With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Welcome back to Mobile Power and Profit. Khan Devnani has been teaching us a lot about news aggregator apps and how they're changing the way mobile users discover and consume content. Many publishers out there already have their own native apps, which allows them to collect a lot of data that helps media companies have a better understanding of their audience's reading behaviors. So in terms of data, Khan, a key element for the success of any publishers, what are the advantages or disadvantages of distributing content through news aggregator apps? In terms of the advantages, you know, I think from the first segment, really it's the opportunity to get additional distribution, marketing, and just overall awareness of your content to an audience and in a forum and possibly categorized and tagged in ways in which your own applications would not have been able to do. Mm -hmm. So it really just enables content to reach a much broader audience and potentially even just a more targeted audience. You know, as an example, despite the fact that you know, we have mobile products, our content didn't really become viewed predominantly on the mobile platform until we began to syndicate the content through Apple News and through Google Play Newsstand. So for us, it really opened up a new market in terms of mobile and tablet use for the proprietary content that we had that we were comfortable with being freely distributed on the web. In terms of the disadvantages, really, I think the overarching disadvantage is the loss of the tracking data that can be gleaned from having your content available in your own application. If it's in the form of a tracking beacon or a tracking pixel that's embedded in that content that you're distributing, if you go to an aggregator, there's really no guarantee at all that that pixel or beacon is going to be invoked or fired. So, you know, all of a sudden... Your, the only thing that you, you know, that you really have is the ability to see, you know, if the URLs kind of got clicked through, but you don't really get any of the information about who is reading it and how often they were reading it. It's interesting when you say that you syndicate your own proprietary content that you have via aggregation to Apple and to Google, but Facebook has also been making a heavy push on getting publishers to publish directly on Facebook because of load time, because of an experience. And Facebook is known to share some of their audience data out there. What do you sort of see is the difference or the value that, let's say, a Facebook or a Google or an Apple would provide for publishers who decide to syndicate their content through those channels? Well, in the case of, of what Context is, is doing, you know, we have a, a very, very small portion of our content that we want to have syndicated and available freely on the web. Mm-hmm. The information that we do syndicate tends to be information that's not quite as timely but was 
available on a real-time basis through a paid platform, either for our own proprietary content or through the content of our vendors that we're then distributing and then aggregating and publishing. Mm-hmm. In terms of the advantages of each platform, I think it's going to really come down to how tightly integrated you want to be with that platform. So, for example, if you're a company or a publisher that's doing a lot via Facebook in terms of a sponsored post approach, in terms of having a very, very actively updated and curated Facebook page, you know, in terms of tracking likes and trying to basically, you know, assess likes and having conversations started within particular networks around individual content postings that you have, I think in a situation like that, being more tightly embedded with Facebook and being able to get access to some of the stats that they provide can really help you to refine the audience and just understand how the content is being consumed and make it a lot more effective in terms of how you write the content, what keywords you're including in the content, what types of headlines you're putting into the content, and really just how you're positioning it to make the best use of the users on that platform. Yep. With respect to Apple and to Google, you know, I think it's a little bit different because of the way in which the content is presented. You know, you are on a platform where you might get an alert or an update about news that you're interested in, or you might just break out your phone and just tap on news to see what's new and interesting. Yeah. So, you know, really, I think in a platform like that, it's just going to be learning about or trying to learn about the ways in which your content is getting categorized and mm-hmm. then just trying to optimize the content for being able to work the system, for lack of a better term, to see how often or how much more relevant you can get your content to be. So the approach is very different and needs to be tailored to the advantages that you want. I think what most people are doing out there is just taking the firehose approach and really just trying to get the content everywhere mm-hmm. and seeing just kind of what sticks the best. You know, thankfully, there's a lot of information available in terms of analytics from these platforms, so it helps you to make a much more informed decision I think that's really what a lot of the marketing heads at the publishers are ultimately looking at is taking a look at the analytics that's coming back from these platforms and figuring out how to capitalize on the different advantages available on each platform. Yeah. So as I hear you describe about sort of the data advantages and disadvantages and then in the first section about why some publishers choose to use a news aggregator app as a distribution channel, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it really sounds like news aggregator apps are more of a marketing service, maybe like PR that's just trying to get people to get to know the content better, maybe have some data so that you can fine-tune your content. But it's not really, it doesn't sound like a meaningful monetization strategy. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, I think that the act of building awareness for your content and being able to affect distribution for your content oftentimes are very separate from the activities that you need to take to then monetize. You know, you definitely need to have awareness and distribution out there. You know, but in the example that I cited earlier, uh, after we got onto Apple News and the Google Play Newsstand, we noticed a very sharp uptick in terms of our AdWords conversions. And then as we began to ramp down content that was published onto Google and Apple, we also noticed, you know, a corresponding downtick in terms of the AdWords conversions that we got. So what we kind of came to understand was people were reading the content elsewhere. There was no 
monetization on those platforms for the sake of those platforms. There was no way for them to then sign up for a, you know for a free trial or for a paid product in those forums. But then maybe you know later that day or the same week or the following week or the following month, just because they keep on seeing our content being presented to them, they may have said, you know, I want to learn more about this company. Went to Google, typed in a couple of keywords or the brand name, came to our site, and then ultimately transacted. So, you know, all you know, all these activities are sort of part of this pipeline, right? So you have this brand awareness, marketing distribution in which the aggregator apps can play a role. But yeah. being able to monetize is, I think, strictly dependent on a whole host of other activities that really need to be rigorously maintained. If it's yeah. the curation of, of leads, the capturing of leads, following up with those leads, email marketing, the offering of sales, promotion, and just being able to capitalize on those channels through not only the aggregator apps that we're talking about now, but other campaigns such as social media and even just marketing via phone, marketing yeah. via paper mail, all the usual tactics that you use. So, you know, the act of aggregation and distribution is a supplement, but it's certainly not an effective replacement as a monetization strategy, in my opinion. Got it. So that sort of reminds me, Adele's new album is out 25. She made a big stand in which she was not going to stream her music for free. And now she has record numbers of, I think, a million downloads of her new album. And Spotify and other, you know, distribution channels basically said, we are a great marketing service. We're going to give you exposure, everything like that. But she said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm premium enough in which I don't need that sort of PR and marketing services in that way of giving my content away for free. So does that analogy hold when it comes to news aggregator apps in which the really premium content should not be on news aggregator apps and it's really long tail content that benefits the most out of it? I would say yes. You know, one thing that we've done with our content strategy and even with our product strategy is to really break it down into free content that's either categorized as what we would call teaser content mm-hmm. or content that has you know, a lot of intrinsic value but might be a little bit delayed relative to when you could really maximize the value out of it. So you know, as an example, if we have an article that we are publishing you know, about a stock that's now entered into an uptrend, you know, on the paid platforms, you would get that information on a real-time basis to really take the, you know, to take the full advantage of the price increase that could be realized. But if we publish it for free through an aggregator, it's going to be a couple of days delayed. And so, you know, in a case like that, there's still value that's being derived, but not as much as if you had been on the paid platform. And I think that the analogy to Spotify is actually quite, quite good. Even on our platform, we have a lot of different vendors who are providing content that you can make the analogy to each of those vendors being, you know, an artist whose albums, or in our case, news content is being disseminated via Spotify. So what they have to do on those music platforms is, depending on the total amount of money that they've gathered, you know, in a month in terms of revenue, they're going to look and see, well, okay, what portion of that revenue is allocated to this artist, this artist, and this artist, and then pay out royalties? But really, you know, the amount of royalty that, that each artist gets is going to be very, very small relative to the amount of play that they've actually gotten. 
and really small relative to the amount that they could have collected had they been billing for it individually, you know, via just album sales or MP3 or, you know, song downloads, things of that nature. So I think that the analogy is definitely true, where if you publish all your best content, if it's all real-time, if it's all fully relevant, if people can execute activities that are going to make the money off of it for free through an aggregator, they're not going to be compelled to come to your website at all, and they're not going to be compelled to buy the album and spend, you know, 9 or $10 on it. If you can listen to it as often as you like, the day that it's released for free via via Spotify. So I think it's a very similar analogy. Great. So this has been Khan Devnani helping us understand how publishers can make the most out of news aggregator apps. Keep listening for more Mobile Power and Profit. Stay tuned for more Mobile Power and Profit after this brief profit timeout. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Thank you for staying tuned to Mobile Power and Profit. We have Khan Devnani with Comtext talking about news aggregator apps. So Khan, I wanted to move to a different topic that's sort of been the buzz in the publishing industry right now, ad blockers. So Khan, as ad blockers keep growing and widening the chasm between publishers and advertisers, and now maybe even news aggregators, where do you see the future of digital publishing industry going? It's a very interesting challenge that's being posed right now. A lot of the publishers, as we had alluded to earlier in our conversation, really need advertisement-based revenue to help monetize all their content. 
as this shift occurs in the industry to start blocking ads, it obviously makes it much more challenging to be able to monetize based on advertising. I think that the overall shift that, that we're going to see in the publishing industry is really just a focus on the intrinsic value of the content itself as opposed to just being able to pump out as much content as possible in order to maximize page views, to maximize ad impressions, and to maximize ad click-throughs. So I think that we're going to see a shift in either content that's really much higher in terms of intrinsic value or more of the strategies that we had talked about previously where maybe what gets aggregated and made available freely is really a teaser or just a portion of the article. But to get the full story, not even just in terms of timeliness or in terms of relevance, but even just the entire article, you know, having to require readers to come back to the publisher's website or some other application or tool that then helps them to monetize the content in a meaningful way. So I think people are going to start to have to get creative, but, you know, frankly, even though it's a challenge, I see it as a win-win on, you know, both sides. From the consumer and the reader viewpoint, there's going to be a lot less intrusion and a lot less invasion in terms of pop-up ads or display ads. And on the side of the publisher, even though it's going to be a lot more challenging initially, I think it's going to lead to a much more loyal reader base because the content that they're going to get access to is more often than not just going to be that much better. It's so interesting. So if in a world where ad blockers is the norm, publishers will have only the choice to go in the paid content route and a news aggregator app could be just the new PR firm, so to speak, or plays that role for media companies trying to sell paid subscriptions. Absolutely. And I think that there's also an opportunity for a monetization event to happen directly with an aggregator, you know, in terms of being able to charge for content that's that's then shared through the aggregator, you know, through different pricing tiers or through different access mechanisms. You know, so I think that there is also, you know, an opportunity for aggregators to work with publishers to be able to collect revenue directly. Great. So it's been great having you on the show, Khan. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, pleasure's all ours. To all our listeners, remember you can find this and more podcast episodes of Mobile Power and Profit in the iTunes store or simply go to mobilepowerandprofit.com. Tell us what you thought of today's episode on social media using the hashtag RumbleMPP. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Mobile Power and Profit presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.